welcome to Chuck. I'm Charles Braxton. With me is Austin Charles. And did you know that Charles means manly? Hello, welcome to Chucked. I'm Charles Braxton. With me today is Austin Charles. Hello. And we're going to talk today about LeBron and failure. I believe that he is going to end up being possibly the greatest, if not one of the three greatest, if not the greatest American athlete when all is said and done, but he's going to need some help. We right now, this week, are in the middle of the NBA Finals. The Cavaliers are down two games to none. They look as hopeless as they did last year at this point when, as you know, as we know, they turned it around, one in seven games, the world championship. And um, Austin, what's your take on all this right now with the Cavs and, and where they are today? It looks bleak. Mm-hmm. It looks bleak. Yeah. Um, this certainly is a different animal than than last year with Kevin Durant, seven foot, all everything, slim reaper, slim reaper. Yeah. It, yeah, it's a different, totally different series. Um, I th- I thought it going into it, you know, the last two series, last two years were um, were riddled with you know, lack of health and they both had a harder road to the playoffs. And so it was kind of a slug fest defensively. And this year going into it, I had the feeling it would be a shootout, which wasn't, I don't think is totally against the favor of the Cavs um, as well as they shoot the three. Um, so I, I expected this, you know, it's, it is kind of crazy when you score 113 points, but you still get blown out in a way. But um you know, I, someone asked me before game one what I, my prediction was of the first game and and really the series, and I thought um, the best team won't win, the best team of the best player won't win. Uh, I think the team that makes the most threes is going to win, and last game they made 10 more threes in the Cavs. Mm-hmm. It's 30 points, you know. So um, Yeah, and their defensive strategies are arranged as such. You can tell both teams it's about eliminating the three. Mm-hmm. The Cavs in game one actually gave up layups out of that strategy. I think one thing that's different is LeBron commented on it in his, in his press conference yesterday, saying that it's a different team, and it is. The Cavs are a better team than they were last year. They're, they're deeper. I think we'd agree on that. But they're the same team. You know, they're still, they're still going to do the same things. Yes. The, um, the Warriors are a different team. You know, they're just a, they're a totally different team. They are. Their lineups, their, what they're trying to do, with the, how many weapons they have. I mean, um, they're just a different team. And I think the Cavs are seeing that uh, with how they're trying to score. The Cavs are trying to score and how um, they're trying to defend the Warriors. Uh, they're just going against a different team than they played against the last two years. And Curry's healthy, and he wasn't last year. Kyrie outplayed him in many ways last year, and that's not happened through two games at all. Kyrie has to outplay Curry for the Cavs to win this series. Mm. He absolutely does. I've been a little surprised by his ineffect- relative ineffectiveness. And that's the thing I don't like about the Warriors, though, is that, you know, have your man guard your man. Kyrie, you know, yeah. Kyrie's guarding Steph the majority of the time, and Clay's guarding Kyrie. 
Right. You know, like it's, I get it. I mean, it, you know, if I was on the other side, I would do the same thing yeah. probably, but it's just, it, that's the, some of the stuff that bugs me is, you know, just play your guy. You, you play to win. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not a, it's not fair. Cause, that, <laughs> cause that's what I, that's what I feel like it is, you know, statistically, yes, he's out playing Kyrie, but he's not playing against Kyrie. You know, he's right. But I, what I would say to that is, is not, not necessarily head to head, it's just Kyrie has to be very effective. He has to be offensively efficient and defensively sufficient. Mm-hmm. And Curry is Curry is healthy. I I, uh, I I go through a spiritual process watching it because I I can't stand the Warriors. Mm-hmm. I cannot think of a team that I have just that, that I I can't think of ever a team more annoying to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the collection of personalities they have, and a guy like KD, whom I respected, but have zero respect for the decision he made as far as a champion. I, you know, it's his right; he could do it. But I don't respect uh, probably the one of the three best players in the game going to a seventy-three win team. It, it's man, I just I don't respect that. So um, Curry annoys me because he's just his leg kicks and his jiggling and and. Well, let's not go down there. You know, the the there's there's just a lot to to be not objective about. Um, but what we're going to talk about in this telecast, in this podcast, excuse me, is the question that always emerges: Is LeBron's legacy at stake? Is he a failure if he loses this series? Michael Jordan, the one to whom he is most compared, never lost a series. This will be, I believe, the third series he will have lost, correct? Um, yes, because he lost one he, with the Heat and he lost one with the Cavs. If he loses this one, he'll be four, three and four. five in the finals. Yeah, th- yeah. Three and five. Mm-hmm. Okay, excuse me, because he lost to the Spurs, you're right. Lost to the Mavs. Lost to the Mavs, yeah. So, uh, obviously, the argument on the other side of that is LeBron... Without him, those teams wouldn't have been close. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The 07 Cavs team, no way. They win 40 games optimistically without LeBron. Mm -hmm. And they made it to the finals. Uh, But the the question of how he views himself came up after game one loss, actually. Will you see yourself differently? And he said, I've given up. I I don't do that anymore. I don't make those comparisons. Uh, I'm not playing for the perception of other people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But for us, it brings up uh, the subject matter of your self-perception when you go through failure, when you experience, I didn't meet my objective. So you're going to be the interviewer more today. I'm going to be the interviewee more today. Take that. I know it's really hard for you to talk about LeBron. I realize that that is, it takes a lot of focus. It takes a lot of preparation for you to be ready to talk about LeBron. If you have not listened to a podcast before, what you just heard was facetiousness. I, okay. I, I, I'm not objective, uh, you know, totally unbiased about it about LeBron, but I'm not as completely unrealistic as people think, you know, you know, concerning LeBron, you know, I, I, I think the, I'm not freaking out about the series. I think it's just, it'd be just as much of normal to me if the Cavs win two straight and it's two, two as if they get swept. I mean, I, I, either way, I won't, I won't be shocked. I, you know, I, 
Um, well, it helps that we have a title in our pocket from last yeah, year. Yeah, and, and, and I and I'm realistic in the fact that I don't count on going down three one and come back and win it again. I don't think we can win four straight against this team. I think we win the finals this year. It'll be in seven games because that seventh game will come down to who has the best player, and I think we still have the best player. Yeah, regardless of of yeah. Paul Pierce and um, his ego post reunion, you know, farewell tour this year. Um, but. I mean, the thing that I think that I get, I've gotten most just kind of um, irritated by isn't going down 0-2. It's, it's the, the criticism of how, I don't understand how people have gathered such intelligence of the game of basketball. And I'm not saying this sarcastic, I'm really not. It's just, I, I, it astounds me. How, how do you, you become so smart about with basketball that you can find f- so many flaws, not just flaws, critiquing, but like, tearing down a whole legacy and career after a triple double in the finals. I don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand, you know, he, he's, he's, you know, a guy that's that faced with, with Mo Williams and Booby Gibson and Drew Gooden and Anderson Varejao and Wally Zerbiak, Bob Popovich, Duncan Parker and Ginobili, uh, Durant, um, Harden Westbrook, Jason Kidd, Carlisle, maybe was second greatest coach in the game, and Nowitzki um, did two more times against uh, Popovich and the Spurs. Did Curry, Green, Thompson, and Kerr. I mean, you know, has gone up against these people, has, has, has gone up against, and not to mention Pierce, Garnett, and Allen in, in the Eastern Conference when he was with the Cavs the first time. I mean, and, and you know, that resume is not enough. It, it, it does baffle me. That's because he's compared to Jordan. So that gets into this episode, expectations. You're measured against those expectations, LeBron, because mm-hmm. you're really, really only measured against Michael Jordan. So people's arguments just, I think, support LeBron more than anything. The more, the more he's judged, the more he's critiqued, it really, right. I think, supports him more because um, that's what we're going against. You know, So it's... Um, that's where my only irritation comes from right now, but, uh, it'll certainly be interesting. I mean, what, you know, what, uh, what it looks like if he does lose a series, hypothetically saying, what if he loses a series? What if he gets swept in this series? You know, what the, what that holds for, um, not just the next year, but, um, his career being three and five in the finals. Right. Right. It makes you think of Brady, especially without, Vinatieri's kicks, he would have even more losses in the Super Bowl than he has. I mean, it happens. Mm-hmm. Right? Jordan is the exception, really. I guess Montana never lost a Super Bowl. Um, but so our application on this today is what? Well, I think his response and that and what failure means to him after Game One. That it's not tied to his, to who he is. He still knows who he is. He gave up caring about what it says about him a long time ago. I think that's where the most application can be applied to. Is you know after a game two loss, he said, "I'm just going to get some food and some wine, and I'll be okay." You know, I think there's there's perce- there's perspective when it comes to failure for him. You know, even seemingly greater players, some may say, like Kobe couldn't handle failure the way um, 
probably LeBron has or um, even the Jordans may have accomplished more. Um, some might say he, he, I don't know if he's handled failure as well as LeBron has. You know, I, I think Jordan is someone that, that, that can't fail. Um, not just, you know, outside of basketball, you know, and ownership and, and things. He handled baseball pretty well. He did. Yeah. And he even said, I mean, he has one of the great quotes on that as far as, uh, I cannot accept not failing. Remember that? Mm-hmm. People criticized him so much, but it was a dream of his. He really, in that one, became a paramount example that failure does not define a person, mm-hmm. nor does just success as the world perceives success. Mm-hmm. Um, so, your questions, your peering into this. Hmm. Well, uh, you've you've had some thoughts on, or some your head's been in failure recently. Um, I don't know if you want to go into that just yet of what what the most recent failure surrounding our environment is right now. Um, you you want to? Yeah. Me? So it's interesting because to be in any endeavor that progresses only comes via failure that you don't get better failure i've always said this failure is a source of objectivity oh okay i thought this was reality that's not reality now i realize this is reality failure is a source of creativity oh okay let's try this it makes you try new things new combinations I always use the example of Don King when he, uh, I'm sorry, Don Brunfield when he rode Cali King in the Kentucky Derby one year, and it was a credible long shot. They, I remember the reporters asking him, how did you do it? Coming down the backstretch, he said, I whispered in the horse's ear, roses are wet, red, violets are blue, horses that lose are turned into glue. You know, he was joking, but... People who progress, they know how to take the odds that are against them. They know how to embrace that, and then they turn it into something else. Uh, the example, again, I use is, is in, in the 1800s, the owner of a California vineyard, they were experiencing a severe drought in Napa Valley, and all the grapes were shriveling on the vines. But he got an idea to take those shriveled grapes to market and he put on the boxes Peruvian delicacies. <laughs> and we've been eating raisins ever since. Mm-hmm. So failure is a source of creativity. Yeah, okay, that didn't work. But what can, how can I turn shriveled grapes into raisins? How can I turn mm-hmm. lemons into lemonade? And failure is a source of humility. It exposes your weaknesses. And so uh, this week... We will be announcing that we're closing uh, one of our campuses, our two campuses, Liberty Campus. And it was launched a year or so ago, and we failed fast. We uh, don't look at it as a failure, though. We look at it as a learning. Mm-hmm. And it, it is a fail, right? We didn't meet the objective that we wanted to meet. 
but we learned so much about ourselves. It, for us, was a source of humility. Humility is teachability, right? It's, it's realizing, okay, here's where we're weak. It was a, it's a source of creativity. It's allowed us to look at ourselves differently in how we position our movement in our culture and our context. It's, it's a source of objectivity. Oh, this is who we really are, not this reality. Mm. So I think most people, for me, you know, our church started when we rebooted, Southbrook was started as Centerville Christian Church, then we rebooted it, moved it, renamed it, totally overhauled the structure, and it launched officially in September 1994. When we started it, it had 72 adults, and today we have you know, 5,000 regular attenders. What people don't see is the failures, things mm-hmm. we tried that didn't work, Mm-hmm. And the constant feeling of failure. Because today, for me, the church is not even close to where I would hope it would be. It's not. Not even close. For me, I live with a foreboding sense of failing to meet objectives all the time. All the time. And, and so, in this business, as in any leadership, you better have a theology of failure or you better get out. Because it is a reality you deal with all the time. So it would, it's for, for us, it would be like our record is three and five in the finals. Mm. You know? What was the personal failure that you first felt, whether it was this week or the months leading up to? Yeah, I, I think it's safe to say you, you were, or it's not incorrect to say that you were realistic in the last few months of, of what could be coming. Right, that that um, things weren't looking good for Liberty. Um, mm-hmm. I think someone sitting out in the crowd could understand things weren't looking good for Liberty. Um, but so, what was the what was the first personal feeling of failure you had this week? Because you're taught you're 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 speaking of failure with Liberty. This the, the general word failure um, today, which that is growth and humility and creativity and, and the positives of it. But what came before that, the personal feelings of failure with it? Well, there's always a sense of you don't have in any type of venture the impact you thought you, you would like to have. Mm. So we tried in January integrating our campus and that campus fully. It had been a hybrid of the Miamisburg campus. So we integrated them fully because the other way wasn't working. And integration meant that I spoke at both campuses. And initially there was a bump, but especially getting into spring, it wasn't able to sustain itself. So I think the personal failure for me comes from that sense of we got so many people working hard. I mean, staff, volunteers working hard who believe in the mission of of connecting people to Christ through our model. And it feels like when you're in my position, it feels like you're sort of in that LeBron position of I've got to do my part and it's not enough. It's not enough. And uh, it again, it always feels that way. So I kind of live perpetually in that sense. I think it's because my personal expectations are very high mm-hmm. for myself and 
my belief in our mission. But so that's where that's what you deal with is I, I feel a sense of what could I have done more to really encourage the volunteers and staff via my presence to help them reach what they were wanting to reach. You know, leadership so in, is about helping people reach their goals. In the context of, of growth rather than regret, what would you have done differently? Well, we would have engineered it differently from the get-go. We made assumptions from the get-go that were not reality. So that's where failure as a source of objectivity comes in. We've learned more about who we are. For example, I don't have time to get into this too deeply, but one of the facets we've learned is that multiplication, which was the vision behind this, is still our vision. However, instead of being one church with many campuses, out, which is the trend now, right? Mm-hmm. That may happen eventually, but right now we may very well be one campus with many churches, many iterations, many um, manifestations of our mission in the various gathering spots we have on the campus. So that that's you know that's been a big aha. Mm-hmm. Um, you answered it. We. So what about you though? Was there anything you would do differently? You would have done personally. You would have yeah, felt different. The big learning I had was trust yourself. I I I did through this process, you know, one of my family characteristics of my family of origin is false humility because we were not supposed to have the big head. We were not supposed to be overconfident. And as a result, one of our family sins, uh, if you will, is a false humility. Okay, well, I'll back off. I'll, I'll minimize myself if that's what you want. And, and candidly, I did that with this project. Mm-hmm. I did not express my, you know what? I think it would be best if, if I launched this, quite honestly, and I backed off that, and that I would do differently. I think the more you get experience, the more you realize the areas where you shouldn't trust yourself, but also the areas where you should trust yourself. You should trust. I've got a lot of years of instincts and 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 experience, and you know there's some areas where I trust myself. Now, if if we're going to go down, it's going to be. Not because I didn't trust myself, but we went down. I trusted myself, and no, it didn't work. So, leading if you, if you, if whether we take it back to last February, say so just we jumped in the flux capacitor and and went back to um, last February six point twenty one gigawatts, <laughs> or we, or this happened again, went to another campus. For you, not for we. What does? the idea of to not be timid and not hold back and what you believe in as a leader, not as a figure of a group of people, but as, as just a leader. I think, you know, something that God prepared me for that I, where I identify with the Michael Jordans and LeBrons on my very, very small scale 
is get on get on my back and ride me. Mm-hmm. Get on my shoulders and ride me. I'll 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna carry a heavy load. I'll take you there. And in basketball, I only ever regretted the times I wasn't aggressive. But I was rewarded for ride me on this, and I'll we'll, we'll take it home. And so in the future, as I go into the last quarter of my career, I'm in the last quarter of my career. I'm going to go out, you know, triple-double. Mm-hmm. If that's what I'm able to do, I'm going to go out triple-double. I'm not going to hold anything back. So for me, for example, redirecting resources from this toward leadership development and the development of children is I'm going to pour all my triple-double potentials, if I have them, into that. So it would be the equivalent of what I did with Liberty. The equivalent would be LeBron saying, I'm just going to back off and, and I'm just going to let everybody else get involved. And there's a time for that, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Leadership is empowering others. There's a time when LeBron needs to step up and he needs to take the ball to the basket. Well, I asked this because at shoot-around yesterday, LeBron, everything he does is so calculated. You know, he's, everything is so very, very calculated. And yesterday at shoot-around, he was not wearing his shoes, his signature Nike LeBron shoes. He was wearing a pair of, the latest pair of um, Kobe's, Kobe Bryant's shoes. And the there's, a saying, there's a saying that goes around with, with that of Mamba mentality. And so... Get out of his way tomorrow. That, that, I don't, I, that may not mean anything. It might have just been, it might have been a, 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 a aesthetic, a sartorial choice, but... With LeBron, it probably wasn't. There was probably something calculated there. That's where that, that question came from. So in the sense of, okay, if LeBron is going to make a choice to, you know what? If we're going to go down, we're going down by me. Right. And I am accepting what that might mean if we do go down. Right. What does that mean for you? If, 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 if it goes at it again and you're going to say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to err on the side of aggression. I'm going to err on the side of putting this on me. What does that mean for, and for you me? It means it means I work harder than ever to communicate clearly, passionately, with vision, what it is we're trying to accomplish as a church. It means I commit myself to more objectivity, more creativity, more humility, letting God work through that. That's what it means for me. That I want my fourth quarter to be my strongest quarter. And I'm very, very, I'm, I'm very assured that it will be. Not that it'll look like I want it to look. That may look differently than what I think it'll look. But it, it I won't coast. I'll, I'll be wearing the black mamba shoes. And that's a huge learning for me through this. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why... I believe no matter what happens, I don't mind. I mean, if we fail to reach objectives, that's okay. I'm okay with that because the win is in the effort. It is. It is in the 1 Corinthians 15, 58, be steadfast, immovable, always giving yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That for me, I, I, all I need to know is that when the game's over, I left it all out there on the floor and I'll be able to do that. And that's what I can, I mean, there's so many, there's so many outcomes that are out of your control. I mean, especially leadership is like farming. Yeah. You can do all you can do, but if it doesn't rain, I'm sorry, the crops aren't going to grow. 
right? And that's all I need to know. And that's for me. I'll be expending my energies and recuperating my energies and in that constant process so that I can be of maximum use to others. We're glad you joined us for this episode of Chucked. We'll see you next time. Hey, Chuck listeners, rate it five stars. All right. If you're a fan, be a fan. Act like it. Let people know. We're having a great time here. We're in this together. Five stars, not four, five.